We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports shoutcasters and hosts. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all of the information for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Arda Okal. Arda is an Emmy-nominated anchor and currently a host at ESPN. He's also the host of MSG Network's MSG Hockey Show and the voice of NHL Gaming World Championships, the NHL's official esports tournament. Previously, he was a fill-in color commentator for the New Jersey Devils, play-by-play announcer for the World Championship Boxing on Rogers TV and Super Channel, an international digital host for the WWE, as well as a sports anchor and reporter for The Score. He's currently an adjunct professor in sports broadcasting master's program at Iona College. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Justin, for having me. How are you? Good, good. You know, it's just another day in this weird world, but it's a little sunnier now in New York, so that always makes it a little bit more enjoyable. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so tell us a little about your you know, esports and gaming experience. Kind of, what was the first game you played? Yeah, I mean, I'm a lifelong gamer. Uh, I grew up on the NES. I had an Atari before that, so I would say the first memories that I had was probably Yars Revenge, uh, which was probably my favorite game on Atari back then. Of course, those games were so primitive that like we didn't know any better, obviously, at that time. But um, it it was the most fun game for the restrictions available or, or, or the sandbox that video games had to play in at the time. And then, of course, with the NES, that just completely opened my mind on what video games could be one day and then going into the 16-bit era, et cetera. I followed every generation. I'm a giant gamer. But back then, I had no designs or ideas that esports would even exist or competitive video games would even be a thing. The only competition was among me and my friends that never really thought of a world scale. Like maybe... We talked about it once or twice, but we never thought it would actually become a thing. So even when I was pursuing 
broadcasting, I never saw it as a viable career option. It was always just something fun that I did on the side. And I just gamed my entire life. It's always been my primary hobby. And so my first esports event actually was after I left WWE in 2016. I reached out to ESPN and they were launching a WWE vertical. I actually didn't even reach out to them about esports at all. I reached out about WWE and I said, could I contribute to this? I just left WWE. I might be a good resource. And they said, well, on top of that, do you have any experience with video games? And I said, absolutely. I'm a lifelong gamer. And they said, well, the League of Legends World Championship is happening in the United States and the semifinals are happening at MSG and we're going to have a digital desk there. Would you like to host it? And of course, I'm a say yes to anything kind of guy. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to host it. The problem was, is I didn't know a single thing about League of Legends and it was a month out. So I treated it like a full-time job, man. I basically spent eight to 10 hours a day learning every single thing I could about League of Legends, whether it's talking to players and coaches, whether it's watching past championships, uh, watching current seasons, learning about the teams and the storylines going into it. By the end of that month, I felt pretty comfortable or at least at a level of knowledge that I could anchor a desk in that role. And I had two great analysts with me throughout the weekend and then the following uh, at the final and at Staples Center in LA. And that really began my journey. I caught the bug, saw the environment and how incredibly passionate the fans were. And I'll say that uh, it has become an obsession and I just absolutely love uh, competitive video games and also video game content. Like my scope with video games has broadened now. It's not just esports that I'm in love with. It's just general gaming content and also games in general, where they are right now and what the future of gaming is. So just the all-encompassing bubble of video games, including esports, really fascinates me and it continues to fascinate me. And it will always be a part of my career if I have something to say about it. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, you kind of are the perfect example of like, you know, an opportunity presents itself and you just have to say yes and, you know, exactly. figure it out after that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes like that's something that they teach you very early on in your career. Say yes to everything, uh, hit the ground running, learn along the way. And even I was in my 30s when I did that. I mean, and you never stop learning and you never stop being handed these opportunities that normally you wouldn't think you would receive. And I did. I was lucky enough to receive it. And I'm glad I did because like I said, it ignited my a new passion, so to speak. And I really needed it at the time too, because I just wrapped up at WWE and that was a former passion and that chapter closed. And I was happy that it was closed because I wanted to look for the next thing. And that's when esports came along. And I'm really glad it did at that time. So how did you kind of first get into commentating and casting in general? And so I don't have a degree in broadcasting or in media. I have a degree in math. I went to the University of Waterloo in Canada, and I had a desk job for a few years after uh, university. And nights and weekends, I would just spend my time at the local public access television station when they still existed back in those days in the 2000s. And I would just learn everything I could. I just found it fascinating. It was a lot of fun to me. It was it was a hobby, really. Like I didn't think that it would be a job by any means, but I enjoyed doing it. And eventually, when I got to my mid twenties, I was kind of bored of the of my desk job, and I wasn't having fun. And I'd been good with my money I saved, and so I thought, you know, maybe I should just give this a try. By then, I was getting some auditions, and I was being put on shows here and there. And I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to give this a try. If I don't make it by the time I'm thirty, it's okay. I have a degree; I can fall back on that. I can go back into the real world, but at least then it would be out of my system. At least I can look in the mirror and say I tried and I failed, and that's okay. People fail; that's totally fine. I failed many times in my career, and that's only learning experiences. So I w I made myself an, a deal. 
basically. And by the time I was 30, I was better off than when I was 27. And I figured, okay, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to just push that goal back and back and back until uh, it becomes a viable career and a primary career option and something that I can make a life for myself and my family for. So that's really how it started. I had a passion, honestly. Like uh, a lot of people that are starting earlier than me have a leg up because they they will amass a lot more experience and they will have a lot more reps under their belts and they will have uh, a lot more awareness and wherewithal than I ever did. So that's one thing I regret. I wish I had started sooner, but I'm just glad that I did. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, kind of leads to the next question of did you, when you kind of started from the sports and transitioned over to the esports world, how were you able to kind of make this transition? Yeah, I mean, I never stopped sports, obviously. Like, I love sports. Um, hockey, I grew up on. I was a massive hockey fan, and I'm still able to do some hockey at ESPN, which I absolutely love uh, because it's ingrained in me. Obviously, as a Canadian, you have to love hockey uh, is the joke, right? So, But uh, I, I genuinely do, and I, and I did it at all levels. And that was part of my ex- experience at Rogers TV. I was able to do the Ontario Hockey League, doing broadcasts I was hosting in between the benches, doing coach interviews, doing player interviews, even doing play-by-play and color commentary, just learning everything that I could. And that was invaluable experience for me. And so the, there are differences for sure. I mean, there are some esports that take from traditional sports or lend or, or, you know, get inspired by, but truly esports is its own entity. And really it's going to be the reverse as we move along. I think that more traditional sports are going to learn tactics or different uh, types of presentation from esports because esports is really innovating at an impressive rate and are really speaking to a younger generation. And I think that that's going to seep into traditional sports as well. We're starting to see it here and there. But I do believe, and this is my own opinion, of course, that uh, I think that esports is really leading the way on many different innovations. And I don't think that they necessarily have to copy the traditional sports formula anymore. I think that they have their own formula that is working for their fan base. And we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, anyone that thinks that esports is a fad uh, is sorely mistaken. This is here to stay. And I think that it's important to know the differences between competitive gaming and gaming content. I think that we're still in that learning phase, but most people are starting to catch on now. But definitely understanding, you know, the presentation of esports, it's it's much different than becoming a sponsor for a sports entity, for example, or a broadcast. There's a lot of different nuances in esports uh, that are different. And that's something that I had to learn as well. Like, what are the nuances? What are the fans like? How do they speak? How do they think? What do they like? These things might differ than the traditional sports fan, particularly in different bubbles. And so 
it's been a it's been a very very fun journey the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news we dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the fed Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Interesting. So so what kind of other games have you worked in in the esports world? Yeah, so I mean I started in League of Legends. I mean that's the most complicated and involved when it also has the most established scene. But last year uh, at ESPN for example, I was hosting uh, five shows a week in different esports. I did a Rocket League show. I did a Call of Duty League show. I did a League of Legends show. Uh, I did uh, a Valorant show. Uh, we covered basically the launch of Valorant, which is fascinating. I think that was the most fun that I had. I think Valorant is such a great game. I enjoyed playing it. I probably had a few hundred hours in. I'm really bad at the game, but I enjoy it a lot. And uh, it's it just, I mean, there's so many, like, I, I, I know that, like, for example, we did it all in a pandemic and just covering the leagues moving online and the challenges that they faced. That was a lot of, uh, that was very interesting and fascinating to me, but also what will happen when we're back to in-person, when we're back to LAN events? I think that it, we're going to really see a surge. It might level off after the initial honeymoon phase, so to speak, when we're back and able to safely uh, get together and, and have events like that. I do think that it's going to be interesting to see what what different esports organizations do or whether they go to regular events. I mean, the CDL started as a, a home series format, just like Overwatch League. And I wonder if that's going to continue in that format when it is safe to do so again, or if they're just going to make it online and maybe a couple of LAN events here and there. I mean, it's going to be, I'd love to have the answer to those questions or just see it unfold. And what we're seeing in Iceland with uh, with Riot Games and, and, and MSI and, and the um, Valorant Masters, uh, or the, the, I guess, quote unquote, sort of the world tournament, I'm just I I'm enthralled by everything that's happening in esports and it's only growing and there's only like big decisions make uh, happening and and what the future entails. Absolutely, I mean I think that you kind of like bring up the point of there's just so many opportunities whether it's you know in person or online that you know someone like you can be involved in. Yeah, exactly, and and I can't wait to be. I I I am a caster host in esports i absolutely love that and i will continue to endeavor to do that i mean it's uh it's something that i have told many people that i just don't want to be i don't want that to 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 leave my life because i'm so excited by it and interested by it and i think that's how people should live their lives if you got a passion pursue it yeah absolutely so tell us a little about your current work with espn you know what's it like being on espn I love it. Uh, it's a dream job. Uh, obviously, it's 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 something that people strive to achieve, and I'm very lucky to have achieved it. I've been freelance with ESPN since 2016, so five years now, and uh, now I'm there on a regular basis, and uh, it's a blast. I mean, uh, one day I could be hosting Sports Center Radio, the next day I could be hosting In the Crease on ESPN Plus, which is our daily hockey show. Uh, I could be filling in on Sports Nation or contributing gaming segments to Sports Nation and Sports Center on Snapchat. I have an absolute blast. Um, I, I love every second. Uh, it is a passion. It is a joy. I love that I'm this Swiss Army knife, so to speak, uh, this five-tool player, 
being able to slot in in different places. Uh, I do, I write articles, you know, whether it's gaming articles uh, covering Fortnite's foray into sports, for example. I did an article just about how Neymar was introduced as the first playable athlete in Fortnite, and that's coming up soon. And the soccer activation that Fortnite did earlier this year, where they had multiple kits in the game, I think it was 23 clubs around the world, and how Fortnite is putting an emphasis on sports, and we're going to see more of that. Uh, I, I love that kind of thing. I love. Uh, covering those kind of stories. I love uh, continuing to, uh, you know, beat the gaming drum, uh, so to speak. And uh, just everything on my plate, I, I couldn't be happier. Uh, e- even out of ESPN as well with 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 uh, the NHL and and what I'm able to do there for the last few years. It's been an absolute blast, Justin. I, I have no complaints. Well, yeah. So, you know, tell us a little about, you know, your work with the NHL's Gaming World Championship. You know, what is it? And what are your thoughts on the sports simulation titles in esports? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting bubble because one of the things I, I, I got this piece of advice from a prominent uh, esports uh, per, uh, executive once that the best esports are rooted in fantasy, right? Like League of Legends, Rocket League. These are games that you couldn't necessarily replicate in real life. But sports sims, you can. They are real simulations to the sports. Now, I think that there are different intricacies and nuances that make it impressive to watch. But they, of course, I mean, if you look at the numbers, they are impressive, but they haven't caught on to, say, the levels of League of Legends, et cetera, which are which are which are monster, which are astronomical, which is fantastic. I think that there's a place for them. I think that uh, the leagues and the publisher of the games, mostly EA or 2K, et cetera, uh, it is definitely an exercise for them to push new features in the game, to highlight uh, the game and, and improvements, et cetera. And, and just generally the game, you know, timing it with releases or, or big drops in the game, et cetera. There's always going to be fun content, whether it's with celebrities or whether it's an esports competition, uh, whatever it is. On the NHL side, uh, it's now entering its fourth season and it started uh, with, uh, with, with, with regional tournaments, Canada, US and Europe. And, you know, with the pandemic last season, we had to do it all online and we were not able to crown a world champion because we just couldn't play the game across the Atlantic Ocean. We couldn't have like the the integrity of the game would not hold up. And so uh there was no world champion crown. There were regional champions crowned in in in, in Canada, the United States and Europe, but um I, I so there will be information coming out uh for season 4 of GWC very soon. But I imagine that uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting year for GWC. And I've been a part of it since the beginning as its voice, its play-by-play announcer. And I can't wait to continue. It's, it's one of the most fun gigs that I have. And I love hockey. I love video games. This is such a great marriage of both of those things. And the community is great. The competitors are great. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to call. And I can't wait to see where it all goes. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, is there anything unique about, you know, the scene or the gameplay that really kind of stands out to you? I mean, you, there are some things that are done in game that you wouldn't see normally in a, in an actual game. For example, one year, I remember it was very fashionable to skate backwards across the blue line, not because you uh, gain any sort of speed advantage, but because you're shielding the puck from uh, the defensive players. And doing that would result more so in a penalty for the defenseman if they knocked you down because it would be uh, either a trip or a check from behind. So it was like a a strategy or even, you know, uh, using the triggers to move forward and backward and trying to deke through 
defenders. These are things you don't normally see in the NHL. Now, by and large, the gameplay very much looks like the NHL gameplay, but there are certain nuances to it that you wouldn't normally see. I remember one player, Young Gren, who's one of the best players. He's the most decorated esports competitor out there. He's won multiple tournaments. He's always in the mix at GWC. And he uh, uh, basically created or innovated this move where you start at the either by the goal line or at the bottom of the faceoff circle and you skate backwards towards the hash marks to take a shot uh, at varying degrees of height, whether it's the top of the faceoff circle or the bottom. And uh, that worked very well for him to create to 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 create space and the defend defenders weren't able to either knock him down in fear of getting a penalty or just not able to handle that. So those kind of innovations you see a lot in the game because they're so smart when you get to that level it's really a coin flip often on who will win a game because they're all so talented so it's those little micro move uh, micro thoughts even that often make the difference or even in decision in game decisions that are the difference interesting i think that's something that i kind of noticed you know playing with you know the nba 2k players some of the pros sees little things where like you just move a little bit in front of the basket instead of just going straight up and it just changes the whole timing you're not directly under the hoop but and you don't miss exactly so you're also you know an active television broadcaster so tell us about some of the work with msg networks and the new jersey devils yeah, so I um uh, I spent several years there, and uh, that was one of the other things that I picked up after I left WWE, and uh, I'm really glad I did. It got me back into hockey. We did a show called the MSG Hockey Show, which aired after Devils, Rangers, and Islanders games. It was an absolute blast. Like I got to see myself on a billboard at MSG. Like when would that ever happen? That was like a bucket list moment, like that I'll hold on to forever. Like it'll never happen again. It's just amazing. Such so, something like that, uh, which is so cool. And you know, the world's most famous arena, and there's my ugly face, which is like unbelievable so uh the show was amazing we did two seasons of it i had a blast and then while i was there i also started doing msg 150 segments for rangers and knicks games which i absolutely loved and also contributing to devil's uh, broadcasts so i was on the actual devil's television broadcasts uh contributing segments and hosting segments as well and then also i did work with the devil so i was their in arena host for a while we did a podcast for a full year which was a blast we did some other content as well and then I filled in as the Devils color commentator uh, when their regular uh, guy, Chico Resch, who's very beloved in the Devils community, I couldn't make it for a few games. I filled in. And it was I loved it. It was it was a blast. So, you know, just more of that experience doing it earlier on in my career, dusting it off, doing it here. I thank the Devils uh, for allowing me those opportunities because uh, I wouldn't have normally got them anywhere, really. And uh, they gave me those looks. And I'm really thankful for that because uh, it really added to the resume and, and showed what I could do. So I was really, really thankful uh, and to MSG in general because we did a lot of great content there. And uh, so I will always look back on my time with MSG with reverence because uh, I got to do a lot of cool things. I got to play in the hockey sandbox extensively, which I absolutely loved. And I got to be on game broadcasts, whether it's the Rangers or the Devils, and after in post-game shows as well. So it was awesome. Amazing. You know, as, as a Ranger fan and a big MSG Network, you know, watcher, I'm very interesting to kind of get, you know, your thoughts on Yeah, man, those know. 150s, they were a blast. Uh, I, I enjoyed them a lot. And uh, it was totally my vibe, too, because I'm like such a goof, right? So I, I, I enjoyed having fun with them. And it was always like... I mean, I remember one of them I called a baby race and it was like, this is awesome. Like, this is exactly what I want to do with my life. Calling baby races live on a Knicks broadcast or like, you know, some fun alumni thing that happened with the Rangers. Like, that's this is the kind of stuff I want to do. Actually, 
as a Rangers fan, you'll appreciate this. One thing that I did with the Rangers directly was their 2017 playoff run. I actually hosted their fan tent. So right outside MSG, they had like this giant tent that was there the entire duration of the playoffs. They played, uh, what was it? The Habs, the first round they won. And then the Senators, the second round, they really should have won. And so uh, I was there every single game. And we did uh, interviews with alumni and we did giveaways and we did, it was like a whole, uh, you know, fun museum almost for Ranger stuff with like uh, interactive things like a VR booth and a, and a, and a um, take a slap shot for a prize. And there were alumni everywhere. Like it was so much fun. And we did like Q and A's and we did uh, hype videos and those kind of things. Like I love the, I miss that a lot uh, with the, with the pandemic, of course, not being able to have those kind of events. We did a puppy playoffs once where people brought, like there were dog influencers there. And I, I learned the whole world of dog influencers where it was like, my goodness, these dogs have like millions of followers on Instagram. And that's like a economy like this, the, the owner's full-time job. It's like, this is amazing. I can't believe that this is actually a thing. And so uh, we did that and people brought their dogs or Rangers dogs and things like that. Like that was a lot of fun to host. Like things like that were so much fun. Well, it really sounds like you, you know, love a lot of the stuff you're doing. So what's like your, your favorite thing or thing you love most about casting and commentating? The thrill of it. I love the live aspect of it. You have no net. You're there. You know, you're in the moment. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's just it's, it's a rush. It's, I can't really describe it unless you do it. It's just one of those rushes that like you get addicted to. Like, I just love that feeling of 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 of, of trying to best suit a broadcast and you're live and you know there's expectations of you from the audience and you have to strive to meet them and give them valuable information but also present it in a certain way you have like certain requirements that you have as a host or as a uh, play-by-play announcer so putting that all together and making it work is a puzzle that I love to solve and I always get that like feeling of ah, after a after a good broadcast uh, that a lot of on-air talent live for. It just feels good uh, to, to know when you have a good cast. You know, we're very often self-critical and we're our own worst critic often. Uh, I know I am. I know that I nitpick and labor over small things all the time, you know? And I, uh, it just feels good when you know that you did a pretty good job. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a thrill. Right. It's that true performance. So what kind of tips do you have for aspiring casters and people trying to kind of get into this? Yeah, um, definitely pursue it. I mean, I did. I wish I did it sooner. Um, always have a backup plan, though. Always make sure that you know that uh, this is a very tough industry. I, I'm only being honest when I say this. I'm only being realistic when I say this. Anyone can make it, but also anyone cannot make it as well. So just be realistic and know your limits. Uh, definitely chase your dreams, but be realistic about it. And also have a backup plan. What is your backup plan in case it doesn't work? I'm not saying think like it won't work. Believe that you will make it, but also know that you can do something else if it doesn't work or if you don't get the amount of money in the industry that you would want or be comfortable with or whatever the case may be. Always evaluate these things every few months. Okay, I was here. Now I'm here. I'm doing, I used to do this. Now I'm doing this. Am I elevated? Am I on a trajectory that I want to be? Always do these evaluations for yourself. In terms of the jobs that you want, give it some long, hard thought. Think about what kind of job you want to do. Do you want to be on air? If you want to be on air, do you want to be an anchor? Do you want to be a host? Do you want to be a 
play-by-play announcer? Do you want to be a color commentator? Do you want to be a reporter? What kind of on-air role do you want to fill? And once you know the answer to that question, which one you would have the most fun doing or which one you have the best skills to be able to succeed at, find people that inspire you and find people whose jobs you would love to have a similar job to one day and reach out to them. Many people have DMs open on Twitter. Reach out to them and say you're aspiring. You want to ask them some questions. Find them on LinkedIn, find them on social media, ask them questions, be fearless in that regard. Even if it's somebody that you watch regularly, get specific, ask them, uh, say something that you saw from them a couple days ago, a specific professional message will always go farther than a general copy paste to 20 people. And usually the uh, people who receive these on the regular basis, like myself, we can sniff them out. So if you make them a little bit more Uh, tailored to the person that you're reaching out to, I think it's going to take you a long way. Uh, Definitely pick the brains of people that have come before you also in different departments too. Like just because they they're not on air, so to speak, doesn't mean they don't have invaluable advice for you. So definitely keep that in mind. And also uh, watch as much as you can and make sure that you're taking notes. I think that it's one thing to to watch and absorb, but it's another thing to write it down. So those are some off the top of my head, some pieces of advice for people. Well, I think that's all, you know, really great advice and everyone out there should definitely be, like you said, taking some notes with their handy dandy notebook and, you know, to kind of bring this all together. So what does the future hold for you in your career? Uh, I hope that uh, I I continue on the path that I am. I'm having a blast at ESPN. So hopefully uh, uh, things continue there and continue to grow. Uh, I couldn't be happier with where I am right now. You know, continued seasons with the Gaming World Championship. Uh, there, there, a lot of bright stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm blessed. I, I've had a, a crazy whirlwind of a career with multiple stops, and I'm loving being in one place uh, at this point in my life. Uh, you know, with a family, uh, with a wife and a young kid. Uh, I, I'm definitely thinking about that a lot more than I ever did about my career uh, in terms of priorities. So I, I'm loving where I'm at right now, and I, I couldn't be happier. Amazing. So, you know, I like to end every episode with my three questions. So, you know, what's your favorite game to watch? My favorite game to watch is probably hockey or combat sports. Uh, I'm a big MMA guy. I'm a big hockey fan, obviously. Uh, I would put those up there. Uh, Big fan of soccer as well. So those would probably round out my top three in terms of like personal preference. So what about your favorite game to play? Favorite video game of all time is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, Favorite game to play on a daily basis is Hearthstone Battlegrounds. Uh, That's a little bit of a deep cut, I'm sure, for people watching, but uh, I love it. I'm probably 12 or 1300 hours in. It's just like my form of waking up in the morning. It's just like a a, a almost not mindless because it's a very involved game. It can be, but like it's just something that wakes me up or like just gets my. Uh, my brain firing on all cylinders and also just a nice break. It's like, a you know, every game lasts around 20 minutes. So it's like I can just take a break and play a game and enjoy it and whatever. So uh, I would say those two. Tetris was a lifelong obsession. I actually also do Tetris esports. I'm, uh, I've done play-by-play for the Tetris, uh, classic Tetris World Championships. But um, yeah, I would say Breath of the Wild, favorite game ever. Obviously, I keep up on all the NHL titles, uh, more from the lens as a commentator than uh, actually uh, grinding it out and I, I play it more to like understand the changes and everything like that. But uh, yeah, I'd say those titles. I'm a big fan of single multiplayer, like massive world campaigns. So like, for example, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, the, the latest Star Wars, a single player campaign I enjoyed a lot. So games like that, God of War uh, is a lot of fun too. So anything that I can like, you know, stop and start or sink my teeth into, or there's a little bit of exploration with some quests and some achievements to unlock. Uh, that's something that gets to me for sure. 
Awesome. You know, I'm a big Zelda Ocarina of Time fan, yeah. so I definitely know what that's like. Absolutely. Um, so last one. So who's your favorite video game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. Yeah, that's a that is a tough question. Uh, Mario ignited my love for video games like to a whole new level. Uh, I I play every Mario game, uh, no matter what it is. So I would say that Mario is the gold standard. Link for sure. Uh, Breath of the Wild, like I said, favorite game of all time. And I've played all the other most of the other Zeldas as well. So uh, Link is a blast. Uh, favorite other than that, favorite video game character, Doom guy probably. Like I was a big Doom guy back in the day. I would say that Doom. Uh, helped me mold my fandom of uh, hard music. Like I, I'm a big like heavy metal, hard rock g- guy. And I didn't even realize this at the time, but the original Doom, uh, a lot of the stage music was inspiration for like heavy metal songs. And so I didn't know that until later on after I uh, played Doom and discovered that. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because I like it's not like I discovered the songs directly, but it, like it was ingrained in me. So I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. So I'd say those three. Awesome. Well, I think those are some great choices. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. And tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, Justin, thank you very much for having me. I continue success with the podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Arda, A-R-D-A. Awesome. So, you know, everyone, thanks again for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q. And check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.